0: Hi, and welcome to episode 223 of No Crying in Baseball, the I'm Still Not Watching Football episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth.
1: Hey there. I- I'm definitely not watching football.
0: I could not give a shit at this point. You know, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to have to soon, depending on what happens tonight, because I've got like a Bills thing happening in my mm. family that's kind of new, and I'm an Ohio girl, so we've got Bengals moving on, so it's going to be important soon, but I just can't can't do it yet, but soon. Let's yeah, see.
1: so what are you going to do if it's a Bengals uh, Bills matchup? Smack
0: down my own damn family one way <laughs> or another. Whether it's sibling or child, someone's going to get hurt. I don't know.
1: I don't That'll know. That'll be fun.
0: It's always fun. It's always we do it we do it in baseball all the time, right? So it's nothing new. Oh, yeah. it's, it makes things spicy. I know. I like things spicy for gosh sakes. How are things at your house? You I see that your um your your squadcast uh, caption is you got booted from the studio.
1: I am out of the studio because Mr. Pottymouth is convalescing in the studio. Wear your masks, people. So, Mr. Pottymouth has been um, ailing. With the oh. with the C the past week, which sucks because as, as our dear listeners know, we're we're all like careful folks and we're all boosted, thank God. So that means he had mild symptoms. But um, he was eating lunch at work in his own office with the door closed, and one of his employees came in. And I'm not clear if the mask was on or if it was on poorly, but um it was it was not an invited visit, and then the next day, Mr. Pottymouth found out that that employee was indeed COVID positive and asymptomatic. So oh, um, the, the weird thing is, we were together in all weekend last weekend because since this whole Omicron thing with me being in a public school, we've been just super careful, uh, and. Um, So we were together all weekend, and then he tested positive on Monday, on Martin Luther King Day. So I was like, oh, fuck, I am going down
0: fast. 100%. 100%. Yep.
1: And knock on every single piece of wood around me, I I just seem to be, I don't know, magic somehow
0: you are magic we've always said so we've always said so well i'm glad you guys um i'm glad you have the, the ability to you know separate yes. at your house and every everybody be safe and i hope mr potty mouth is doing better soon
1: yeah yeah he's sure. he's totally feeling better so yay on that and we're just waiting for a uh, a negative test before he gets let out of the the basement prison
0: all right all yeah. right i fingers crossed for sure yeah um, so, I've got two things for you, real quick. One is oh, cool. please congratulate me. I am officially, as of yesterday morning, a, a member of the um, Silver Spring Tacoma Thunderbolts Board of Directors. This is our um, collegiate summer league here in our neighborhood. And I'm in it, I'm on the board
1: now. Woo hoo. Woohoo. I started drinking to, uh, to that before I said woohoo, but yay. Congratulations. I know you're going to be taking it over before they can uh, bat their eyes there, but. Oh,
0: bat their eyes. Yeah. Look at you. But the puns, <laughs> we've got some puns later on today too. So, so, you know, keep your, keep, keep your puns. I don't know what I'm going to say there. Anyway, um, keep your puns holstered. Yeah, that's it. Sure. Hey, I have a, I have a riddle for you. What's better than a hat trick?
1: Two hat tricks
0: kind of a better than hat trick is if you're the Hershey Bears and you have you play a game that includes a hat trick but you also have your fans bring teddy bears to the arena so after you score your first goal Fifty-two thousand three hundred and forty-two teddy bears get thrown onto the ice, that Holy then get donated shit. to children's te- um, charities.
1: Oh, that's a really good thing. I'm just used to the hats flying, but teddy bears and donating, teddy bears that's a really good thing.
0: It, if find them on Twitter. There's a lot of fun, um, fun clips of players skating and leaping into piles of teddy bears. <laughs> so, I mean, come on, you know that would be a good time. <laughs> you know that would be a good time. So that's your cross training trying- for today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just want to like see what it looks like to have fifty thousand teddy bears. You together. can. Good. Yeah, 52,342. That's a lot of teddy bears. Yep.
0: Indeed. Hey, on today's show, we are going to exemplify the problem with recording on Sundays because we're featuring lockout and Hall of Fame news too early. Um, we've got serious police blotter stuff today. We've got boyfriends with the Oakland A's and the San Diego Padres, hence my Slam Diego t-shirt. Uh, we've got winter ball championships in progress right now. And you know, Tempriel
1: was never meant to be. So speaking of T-shirts, I'm wearing my Kyle from Waltham T-shirt. Thank you very much. A lovely gift from my co-host, Patty. And it says very clearly on this shirt, Kyle from Waltham. But, you know, where he grew up in Middletown, Ohio, they seem to be pretty tied to him. And they just retired his jersey. And the interesting is his high school, Middletown High School, retired his his baseball jersey. The interesting thing about it is that it's the first baseball jersey that they've retired. They've, They've retired football numbers, but they have not done baseball. Also interesting, he actually played on the football team. but i'm thinking you know what the fuck waltham get it with it you got to be retiring kyle's number even though he didn't go to waltham high you should be retiring that number for for consistency's sake for darn sure yep this is a very rare post-production insert here by potty mouth but i didn't say his fucking last name kyle schwaba i can't believe i didn't say schwaba anyway back to the show
0: well, I alluded to lockout news, and there will be lockout news um, in between when we put this episode to bed and when you hear it, <laughs> because the, the union is presenting their counterproposal to the economic proposals we mentioned last week that the league presented to the union tomorrow on Monday. So yesterday, for you, dear listeners, um, in person, not even on Zoom or anything, but actually in person, even though it's all omicron out there. Um, so we'll report back later when we find out how they are received and how different they are from the proposals made by the league.
1: Wow. Yes. And, and feel free to uh, contact us with your opinions on how this goes down. And another thing that is going to be happening in the timey wimey machine that you're going to know that we don't know is who actually gets into the baseball hall of fame, because that is dropping at the same time that this episode is on Tuesday. I am um, going to bet my house that, David Ortiz gets in. I think Mr. Potty Mouth is going to be very upset with me if this does not happen. But right now, I think it's pretty clear he's he's raking it, and I think it's well deserved. Absolutely well deserved. I am not. Uh, it is my opinion is not unanimous. However, Don Shaughnessy is the only writer from the Boston Globe who did not vote for David Ortiz and did it very vocally, and he said that he's being consistent. And I guess. And in, in a way, if he if he weren't such a jerk, you, you could respect that, that he doesn't go for anybody with even a hint of influence in PEDs. And to to exemplify that, he only put one vote on his ballot and it was for Jeff Kent, wow. which I think is a little extreme looking at the ballot. Wow. But, you know, whatever. So apparently David Ortiz was interviewed on I think it was WEI one of the Boston radio stations and his take on that was quote you know that John Hannesy has been an asshole to everybody and it's potty mouth post production correction number two All right, folks I'm fucking batting a thousand here the author's name or the, the writer from the globe is Dan Shaughnessy Dan Shaughnessy I totally fucked up back to the show and so of he said that. He, he said that on live radio. Oh boy. So, and this should be no surprise to the guy who, on you know, on the the day of the Boston bombing, took the microphone at Fenway and said it was our fucking city. So, Ortiz, I can relate to as a potty mouth affair, f- fellow potty mouth. I think that's great. I think it's appropriate. Um, Ortiz of all people is the one that you know the the PED thing is very arguable. He had one single positive test in two thousand three with, which was when they supposedly did like an anonymous testing to determine if they were going to start testing, which they determined, yes, people are doing this, we're going to start testing. And he didn't test positive at all after then. And he did a lot of really good things after 2003, people say, you know, a couple of World Series with the with the Boston Red Sox. And Manfred, I mean, I'm never going to praise Manfred for anything, but he did sort of try to get Ortiz off the hook by saying, well, he could have been one of the guy with supplements or something like that. I don't know. Fuck Manfred anyway. But I think that uh, that Shaughnessy just it's a little it's a little out of uh not necessary. It's a little bit of an extra statement to just be omitting somebody who is that important to Boston sports. I mean, everybody loves Big Poppy, but Boston especially loves Big Poppy, so this is just sort of putting yourself on a big target for a Boston uh, fandom. And by the way, yesterday was actually the anniversary of when the Red Sox signed Ortiz originally, and it was for a 1 year, 1.25 million dollar contract after the Twins released him to be a free agent. So you never know what's going to happen with these guys that we're talking about.
0: You never know. Well, at least um, he got the unanimous no crying game baseball vote for
1: sure. Yay
0: absolutely full, full ballot, first ballot from uh, No Crying in Baseball. Um, So we've got some police blotter stuff for you today. One is um, Angel Hernandez, who I got it, you know, a lot of people, including me, maybe you, I'm not going to speak for you, don't think
1: he's a very good umpire. I think that's pretty clear. That's that's fair to say. So he's
0: had this lawsuit floating around for years now as a discrimination suit because of a failure to promote him to crew chief. And that's one of those times when I say, I don't think discrimination means what you think it means. I think you're just not a very good umpire, which is yeah. why you're not promoted to crew chief. But the, the case was dismissed at one point. And then they went back and said, you know, we don't think this dismissal was based on anything real. So we want you to look at it again. And they said, OK, we'll look at it again. Nope. Still not going to address this case. We still don't think it's OK. And yes, they're, they're going to appeal. So there will there will be a third time where Angel Hernandez gets turned down um, on this discrimination <laughs> suit. And we'll we'll have that news for you probably in another year or two, whenever that comes around again. The super sad uh, police blotter news is back in September, we told you about the um, the horrible situation at Petco Park in front of a, an Atlanta game where a 40-year-old woman and her two-year-old child fell off the concourse on the outside of the building, six stories, and died. And of course there was a lot of investigation involved. Like there are people that, you know, she had been like standing on the picnic table at one point and they couldn't tell if they were, she was trying to like, you know, grab her kid before anything bad happens or, but anyway, there was a very long, very intensive investigation, according to the San Diego police who just ruled it a suicide homicide.
1: Oh my God.
0: Which is horrible. I mean, there's no good answer.
1: Yeah. There's no good answer,
0: but the family of this, of this woman, Is has got a a pending wrongful death action in place because they say they don't believe the investigation was real because the city of San Diego has 70% ownership in the ballpark. So Uh. if it was, if if it was in fact wrongful death, or if, if it was, you know, um something on the part of the stadium where they weren't careful enough or they you know they made mistakes there the city would be liable. So that is probably moving forward so it's going to continue to be ugly and there's nothing about it that's going to make it any less sad at any point.
1: That sucks. That totally sucks. That yeah, totally I'm, sucks. I mean you you always want like just a some sort of solution to something like that like maybe we need a railing somewhere or something like that but this just sounds way too much in the fuzzy land tragic Uh, either way tragic all right we're gonna spin towards something a little bit more positive which is our baseball boyfriends that's what we do here in the off season is we pick these guys one guy each per team per week um and it's because there's something cool about them so we do two teams a week one american league and one national league we've been working our way up from the teams with the worst record to the teams with the best record and we are pretty smack dab in the middle. Although I think we're both feeling a little bit disappointed with our pickings for at at first, at first blush for for the athletics, because the reason is because really we've picked the good guys in the past years and we have these stupid rules that we cannot repeat because we like to tell you guys new stories, although we can keep one guy one period from one year to the next. So that guy's got to be pretty special. So I have a little bit of a theme that ended up jumping out at me this week, which is it, it just kind of came together. I have two Puerto Rican players. They're both sort of on the bench. Well, definitely on the bench. They're second string players. They both played for the Criollos de Caguas, which is the Puerto Rican team that just won the championship of the Liga de Baseball, Puerto Rico, Roberto Clemente. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more when we get down to winter ball. But because I've been watching the Criollos this week, I thought I had to just pick a couple of Criollos. And and Vimael Machin, uh, second base for Oakland, uh, actually, he's pretty versatile. So I'm hoping that helps me with our fantasy league that we do at the end of this. He is actually playing now for the Criollos. And I can say that because they're the champions. And so they're going to be going on to the uh, Serie del Caribe pretty soon. And I'm hoping that he does it. He did it last year. So Maybe he will again. So it's kind of cool that I get to watch this guy right now. Um, He did not do great in the finals. He had a run that I guess he had gone on base from a walk, no hits. But he did bat 287 for the season with two home runs, 791 OPS. And he had made the all-star team. Last year was sort of like his big splash with the Criollos. He had the walk-off hit that won the championship for them. Oh that's exciting. Yeah, and he went to the Serie del Caribe and uh, there he they came in second place to the to, to the Dominican Republic. And last year it was the Agu- Aguilas Cibaeñas who represented the Dominican Republic. I think it's his fourth season with the Cri- Criollos. It might be fifth. Um I got a little bit confused with years on a couple of different uh articles, but he did earn Rookie of the Year in the Puerto Rican League for his first season. So born in Puerto Rico, went to the Puerto Rico Baseball Academy in high school, which is something that I I found out started in the late 90s. I think I should. I should have. Of course, I should write down numbers. When um, (laughs) it was decided that Puerto Rico, in this instance, does not count as another country (laughs) because it is part of the United (laughs) States. So the rules were different from the international rules in that you have to finish high school before you get drafted. So this is, I think, you know, what what started making me feel a little like I got to look into this more from last week. The idea of seeing all these young, young kids from the Dominican Republic, like why can we sign kids who haven't graduated high school from other countries, but not from Puerto Rico in the United States. And actually, I know The Athletic had an article about that this week that I did not read, but we'll get back to. So anyway, it did lead to uh, Vimael going to high school in Puerto Rico. And then, like so many others, knowing that you had to come over to the mainland for college, he went to VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, right in our backyard for four years He was drafted by the Padres in the 29th round, but turned that down to go to VCU, played in the Cape Cod League, and was signed by the Cubs in 2015. On the Rule 5 draft in 19, he got picked up by the Phillies and then traded to the A's. So that's how he got there. He was on the active roster for twenty but spent most of 21 in AAA and did really well in the minors. Career 296, 399, 475 slash in the minors with um, 449 at bats. Like so many, the transition to the majors didn't go quite as well. as slash line is 179, 399, 475, but that's only 95 at bats. So I'm hoping that, you know, this is another pick that I'm getting at the right time and he's going to be just busting out this year. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, one thing that I love about both the Puerto Rican players that I'm going to talk about a little bit with each one is their reflection and their consideration on the importance of wearing that number 21 on Roberto Clemente Day. And both of them being very outspoken for retiring that number across the league. I mean, we know it's retired for Pittsburgh, but it's not retired from, for MLB. Um, one interesting thing here is I didn't realize that Roberto Clemente got picked up by the Pirates on a Rule 5 draft. So, I didn't know that either. Isn't that wild? Oh, that's so amazing. So that um Dimael said basically like, well, he did it. Like he got in the same way I did. Now I'm going to have the same mentality and just try to be the best player that I can be. So uh, another issue is with this international rule, I guess that, when that happened, that started sort of a decline of Puerto Ricans playing in the major leagues, especially compared to uh, Dominicans. And so he's very much in favor of recruiting more Puerto Rican players and... As, as sort of, you know, an homage to Roberto Clemente saying like, that's his legacy. We've got to have more Puerto Ricans involved. He has a lovely wife named Ray Marie and a daughter, Isabella, and he is a little bit private. So I don't know too much more about the family, but I'm excited to watch him play in the Serie de Corrida, hopefully very soon. That's most
0: excellent. And weirdly, we're going to have a Roberto Clemente connection, which is odd when we're not hmm. focused on the pirates at all in today's wow. episode. But, you know, put a pin in that one. Um, my theme ended up being fun with puns. Because, <laughs> because for sure enough, I picked Sky Bolt from the <laughs> Oakland A's, 28 center fielder. And you know how people joke without, you know, line from the movie that, you know, you had me at, Hello, you had me at whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you where Skybolt had me. I read an article about him in inter- an interview with him and said, and this was when he was in the minors. Finish the sentence. I'll know I've had a, a successful career if. And his answer is if kids who watched me play make an impact on their community off the field.
1: Ah. Oh, yeah. So he had
0: he had me right away. So I mean, I it was like, okay, you know, Skybolt, fun to talk about because his name is frickin' Sky Bolt. His dad gave him the name because it was a name that Popped. And unfortunately, this makes journalists want to title every single profile of him Taking Flight or Sky's the <laughs> Limit. I mean, multiple articles about him had, you know, had puns of off of the name Skybolt, which is also, um, he did play um, AAA in Las Vegas for a while. And this is like the most Las Vegas name yes. ever. Just saying. So he grew up near Atlanta. His house was near a golf course, so that was his field of dreams. He said that's where he would run around and like <laughs> do his batting practice and all of that out on the on the golf course. Um, he grew up with doing work within the community because both of his parents raised him that way. A little bit church thing, a little bit they had you know small businesses that they owned in the community, and they were all about raising up the community that they lived in. And they impressed upon him that as you become more visible, you can have. A greater impact, and you have more of a responsibility to help others around you because of that visibility. Because because of the advantages that you have, you need to use that to help other people. And he started doing this at a very young age in high school. He had spent actually a couple years in high school volunteering at a place called the Goshen Valley Boys Ranch, which is north of Atlanta, which is a part of the Georgia Foster Care Program, wow, where a cool. where a lot of a lot of boys in foster care from age nine to actually young men at, to twenty lived there. And he got hooked into all this because um, his stepmom ended up on the board there. I don't know if that was before or after, but his former middle school school baseball coach ended up working there as like a residential life director. So got him tied into it. So he would go and just hang out with these guys, and he would play sports with them. He would just hang out, visit, um, have meals with them, and then later, you know, donated equipment to the, like sports equipment to them. He also, this matter, he's in high school at this time. He initiated toy drives at a bunch of local high schools to provide Christmas presents. For these kids, right? I wow. so like, this, this is like you know, this is not just I show up and do my you know yeah. my service hours. You know, we, that's a requirement for a lot of kids. You got to do this is way beyond that. So the Nats initially drafted him in the twenty sixth round out of high school, but he said, "Nope, I'm going to the University of North Carolina," which he did, and then the A's picked him up in the fourth round in 2015. So. When he ended up at AAA in Vegas with the most Vegas name Vegas had ever seen, <laughs> he actually hit the first grand slam in that ballpark in Las Vegas ballpark history, which is pretty cool. And even though he was all the way across the country, he still did work to support this ranch by he started doing, you know, the cameo things that people can you know, pay you for, like recording those announcements oh, cool. and all that. Everything, yeah. you know, and he was, you know, he's a minor league ball player. So it was like low, you know, low dollar value stuff. But everything he earned went to purchase gifts and necessities for that ranch, even though he was probably across the country, because it was still important to, you know, to show up there. So his first call up was in the middle of a game. The, the Vegas team was playing an away game at the Reno Aces. And he basically got like pulled, over, pulled off to the side as he was coming off the field at the end of the second inning and said, you got your call up, got to go. <laughs>
1: And oh, so, my God. Like he got his imagine. like, you know,
0: congratulations hugs from his teammates, got all this stuff. And apparently the clubhouse, the away clubhouse, you have to walk down the left field line to get to it. So he starts walking down this line and people are starting to realize why he's leaving. And so the umpire is yelling, congratulations. The fans start standing and clapping for him. The other team starts clapping for him because they've all figured out what's going on. Right. So on the flip side of that, his mom was watching this game like on her laptop, you know, from, you know, from Georgia and apparently nodded off during the game. She wakes back up and her son's no longer in the game. So she panics thinking he must've gotten hurt. Oh no. <laughs> Until she gets the tearful phone call about, no, I got my call up. But apparently everybody was weepy. He was weepy. His dad was weepy. His mom was weepy. Everybody was weepy. So his debut was at PNC Park. Now we're, now we're back to Roberto Clemente here, right? So this, this happened in May of 2019. Turns out his dad had spent summers as a Pirates fan because his grandmother, his dad's grandmother, lived near Pittsburgh and used to take him to Pirates games back when they were at Three Rivers in her big honking old Cadillac and keep score. You know, the the grandma kept score in the stands and his dad had always said, one day I want my son to be a pirate. So his debut with the A's was at PNC Park. Oh, perfect. Isn't that cool? That's as close as you can get. Close as you can get. So his first hit, Here's here's where Roberto Clemente actually kind of like, you know, caused him trouble The the one one of the outfield walls in PNC Park is 21 feet tall to honor Roberto Clemente number 21. And that's extraordinarily higher up than most most, um, you know, outfield walls in Major League Baseball. So his his first hit. Didn't quite clear that wall. It was like oh, a few wow. feet short. It would have been a home run almost anywhere else, but not there because of Roberto Clemente is twenty one feet. Um, so it was only a double, <laughs> but but that was it's a good story. It's Like okay, people give me yeah. you know still give me a hard time about that because he said from here on out I'm t- spending more time studying up on what ballparks are set up, how they're set up. Um, <laughs> he, he was only there. He's only up in the um in the bigs for four games in 2019. Didn't come up at all in the 2020 season because 2020, in April. Uh, this past year, 2021, he actually got DFA'd by the A's. The Giants picked him up. He played two games for the Giants and they then traded him back to the A's on May 5th. So I think this whole April 1st thing was just some like evil joke because he ended up back at yeah. the A's just fine. <laughs> then he got pulled back up in June of 2021 and he hit his first home run, which apparently was identical to that hit two years ago, you know, two years and a month later. But it went 410 feet because the wall wasn't up there. <laughs> it wasn't a 21 foot <laughs> wall because it was in Oakland. Um, you will, you would like his dad. His dad's a classic rock guy, so um, his he used Van Halen as his uh, walk up. So he did, you know, Panama, and he said that at one point, say to up in Georgia, he likes a little country music. He likes, you know, some other things, but he was in a slump at one point, and his uncle called him and said, "You need to get back to rock; it'll help you." And he said he credits Metallica for getting him out of a slump. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm going to end on charity stuff with him with two quotes um, because I want to go back to why he's just a damn good guy in his soul. One is, he said, charity work is one of those things that takes me away from baseball and makes me realize that baseball is just a game. Sometimes getting too head over heels for baseball can make you forget about the important things like friends and family. And his mom said, this isn't going to go off for big, sure here. His mom said, a sports career can only take you so far. He won't always be an athlete. He will always be a great person.
1: Another mom to have a beer with. Another mom to have a beer with. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm just thinking like, it, so their last family name is Bolt, right? So there's yep. so many opportunities for naming your child. Sky you Bolt sane, is a good one. For instance. One. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm curious to know what Bolt Bolt Jr. is going to end up being Sky's kid. Yep. The sky sure. is the limit. Stop. Right. Stop with
0: that. Stop. <laughs> Let's go to Bye. San Diego.
1: All right, San Diego. I had to check our spreadsheet multiple times to confirm that I really hadn't picked this guy before. I really thought I had at some point, either on San Diego or the Cubs, but I had not, had I? You know what?
0: I, I know what it is. What is it? I think I think Mr. Potty Mouth had him on a fantasy team, so oh. we talked about him because of Musgrove. God.
1: Oh, right, right. And, we did, I and I'm about to do that again. So the mystery name is Victor Caratini catcher, which I told you I wanted to collect some catchers here, 28 years old. And the what sold me right away after especially I had been looking into Vimael is that here's another player from the Criollos de Caguas, so also Puerto Rican. He unfortunately isn't playing this year, and I'm not quite sure why, but he did play for at least those four years with Vimael, and last year he was on the team that won it all. So the Criollos de Caguas have now gone back-to-back champions, which is a huge exciting thing um, that I will talk about more in a little while. And the other cool thing about last year was that he was backup catcher to Yadier Molina. The cat you will notice is now interfering with the with the show once again because I am not in the studio with the door, so the, the cat has free reign. So which cat is this? this I can't tell Emerald, by the meow. Hello, the Emerald. The loud ones. And yep. I do have a spray bottle that I'm gonna end up using in a moment. Oh. But yeah, so the cool thing about him uh, <laughs> that my cat is making the weirdest noises. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Emerald. Yeah, I had to squirt the cat. Did you squirt All the right. cat? I did squirt. The I'm cat. so sad about it's that. Just water. I love it's that just cat. Water. He's a sweet cat, but you know now. And now I have to. Where was I? I was in Puerto Rico somewhere. The cool thing about last year, him <laughs> being on this is Victor Caratini being on the Crios de Caguas with Yadier Molina. Is it was sort of it's like one of his idols, you know, this catcher that he had been looking up to. Another that happens older. a lot. Yeah. So. Yari went to the, the Serie de Caribe and Victor didn't. I'm not sure if that was a personal choice or a team choice or what, but there are a lot of comparisons between the two and him looking up to Yari and he said, you know, but before that point that they played together last year that he had played against him many years and now he has the honor of being by his side, that it's a great honor. So he's born in a small town called Co- Co- Coamo, Puerto Rico. His dad, also named Victor Caratini, was a baseball player, but didn't quite reach the same level. He played Double A in Puerto Rico for the Coamo team. Co- yeah, Coamo, and uh, and he also played for national men's national Puerto Rican national men's softball team. Uh, so when Victor was young, he noticed his baseball ability very early, and coached and taught him. He had a very supportive family with his youth baseball. His mom went to every game and his grandma called to bless him before every game, which is such a sweet grandma Aww. thing to do. And that continued even through college. And I'm not sure how much further. I saw one article that said that he played for the Puerto Rican youth national team, but I couldn't find anything else that said when that was or where they played. But I do know at that time he mostly played infield. But like a lot of other players want to get noticed at that college level to shift to catcher is sort of happened in college, I believe. He also went to the same, this is so much meowing in the background, isn't it? All right.
0: It's adorable. Yeah. I can okay, say- I'm going to yeah. just
1: take a little break. All right, folks, if, if if this was an awkward cut right there in my editing, it's because I had to uh, pick up the cat so that it would stop meowing in the background. And I know, and I'm talking about Victor, not Catatini, Caratini here, right? Yes. And I was talking about how he went to high school in the same Puerto Rican Academy that I had just talked about with Vimael. He was set to go to school at Southern University and AMN Co- A&M College in Baton Rouge, which apparently is one place. I had to look that up because I was like, wait, is that two different schools? It is one school and it's a Division One school. But. All I could find out, the quote that I saw was that his transcripts weren't submitted on time. He was actually there for first semester, but he couldn't play baseball. He was ineligible because of this, um, who knows whose fault it is with his transcripts. So at that point, knowing that he was there to play baseball, he went to some competition in Fort Myers and the scouts there said to him, you need to be seen, you need to go somewhere you can play go to Miami-Dade Community College, which he did. And it worked out well for him. He averaged 377 there and split his time in field and catching. And then he was signed out of Miami-Dade by Atlanta in 2013 as a catcher.
0: Can I just say that 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 really surprises me that a community college is the
1: place where he should go to get seen. That's surprising, right? How about that? No, oh, totally. I think at that point, it was like the best option that he could get in order to play baseball because of rules and tuition and things like that. Stupid rules. And luckily it worked out. So I don't know. So, you know, in hindsight, he was like everything was meant to be kind of thing. Um, He was traded to the Cubs in 2017 when he debuted and then i think a lot of people will remember when he went to the padres from the cubs because it was in the famous you darvish deal and he went as like a package deal with you like you get you and you get caratini thrown in with him because get me and you yeah exactly (laughs) exactly because he could catch you because you is hard to catch You has a lot of pitches with crazy movement that most catchers aren't used to, a huge, a big variety of pitches. But Caratini is, as we'll learn in a moment, a scientist. He can study the pitcher, he studies the batter, and he can catch you. So he went with you. And he caught. Once he got to San Diego, he caught that no hitter from Joe Musgrove that we talked about a lot last season because it was a big fucking deal. It was the first in Padres history. Wait, that not last season? Two seasons ago, 2020, right? Yeah, let's yeah. Go with yes, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, we'll go with yes. I think it was 20 because I think it was like that highlight of that dark COVID season. Uh, Joe named him the scientist because of the way that he analyzed everything. And and Joe Musgrove gives him, gives Caratini a lot of credit for that no hitter because he said that he was out there doing all the math. And the quote is that he was figuring out which guys we need to be more aggressive with, with fastballs and sinkers and cutters to get one pitch outs and try to save a few pitches here and there. And Victor, of course, throws the credit back to Joe and says it was his day. He had all his stuff. Can
0: I just say I I, I did our, our fact checking because we don't have an intern and it uh-huh. was in fact at the beginning of this past season it was 2021 but oh. it was April 9th so it feels like forever ago.
1: Okay, all right, yeah, and and I remembered that it was the first no hitter of like oh boy it's a no hitter and then there were a whole bunch so I just got my my years it's wrong okay. on that. Okay, it's all right. well many many things because that is important because he this is the the weird part is that Caratini had also caught. The previous no hitter, so the the most recent no hitter before that, which was the previous season. So now this all makes sense. Eight months before, with the Cubs, Alec Mills and Mills also credited Caratini for the catching as a big part of it. He said that he he might have shaken him off off once, maybe, Um, but basically he just you know Caratini told him what to throw and he threw it he's the first player in MLB history to catch consecutive no hitters for two different teams. So 10, others had done this with the same team, but that he caught a no hitter the last of the season with the Cubs. And then the first of the next season with San Diego is pretty cool. Um, Another one is that he's the second guy from Puerto Rico to catch multiple no hitters. And the other, the other one clearly being Pudge Rodriguez, one of his idols In 21, he actually hit the first Grand Slam of the season for the Padres. Um, He spent a lot of time catching, more than they thought because Austin Nola was hurt. So he's still the backup catcher, but 21, he got the most play out of his career with 116 games. Batting average, struggling a little bit, 227 last year, but his 242 career makes me still always the optimist, always the optimist. And then looking at for those like extra baseball boyfriend things, it was hard to find because Caratini is is like Vimael, very, um, very private. There was one Instagram post that showed he and his family sponsoring a lunch at a group home for people with special needs in his hometown. And there was a, just a little article about the home and the, the owner said it was their first time that they had a special guest. Also that he's out, outspoken about retiring number 21. And he talks about how important this was for him as a Puerto Rican because in high school, they learned about Clemente, not just for his baseball, but also for his um, humanitarian efforts. And you know, famously, that's, that's how he died, was delivering the hurricane supplies to Nicaragua. And that's that's another thing about why to retire Clemente is that it's not just a Puerto Rican thing, it's a Latin American thing. Because Clemente had actually played in the winter leagues in Nicaragua, which is why he felt so tied to there. And so then when they had the hurricane, he had been sending supplies over, found out that the first first three shipments of supplies hadn't gone anyway because of the anywhere because of the Somosa dictatorship. So when he went over, when when the plane crashed that trip, he was going over to personally make sure that the supplies were getting where they should be. So I think I agree with both Victor Caratini and with Vimael Machin that uh, it's time to retire number 21.
0: I think it's coming. I think it is definitely yeah. coming. Um, what is coming for you is a surprise. You ready? <laughs> you ready? Okay. So I am... I am t- today executing my um my one option to keep a previous boyfriend <laughs> and declaring Jake Cronenworth of the Padres my once and future forever boyfriend.
1: I would have never get like if you had shown me your list of boyfriends from last year this I would not have guessed this one. That that is absolutely a shocker. So what
0: One thing that I <laughs> realized uh, is in going back, you know, I don't want to tell you all the Jay Cronor stuff over again, because, you know, we've done this already. But last time we did it was in March. And as Potty Mouth said, we do this in order of standings. And when we talked about the Padres last time, we also talked about the A's in the same episode, which I think is pretty interesting, that it happened at the same time, but it happened in March, which means they were both much higher up in the standings. <laughs> Last yeah. time, then this time. So there's that. So I'm just going to update you. Um, you know, a couple things about Jake Cronenworth were um, things, the connections I made with him in personal life involved um, family brain tumors and ice hockey. Oh, wow. Right. But also the puns, Rake Cronenworth, the Crohn zone, all of these things. So so my, my once and future forever boyfriend, Jake Cronenworth, um, since we last spoke about him in depth, Became an all-star this past season. He hit a cycle versus the Nationals right after the all-star game in six innings. In six innings, he had an entire cycle. Oh, my God. He hit an inside-the-park home run in May versus the Rockies, which was the first one at Petco Park since Tony Quinn had a Padres inside-the-park home run in 2010. Wow. His wins above replacement for the past season are for the Padres are only behind Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. He played four positions across the season, including reliever. He was a relief pitcher, briefly. (laughs) I love that. I'm Right. And and every person who talks about him uses words like smart and determined. They complement his offense and his defense, which, you know, defense is sexy. I kind of like that. And people have even said, well, you know, he's got that it thing about baseball like he's that guy. He is totally that guy. And to, to top it all off, he was the Padres winner of the Heart and Hustle Award, which we always appreciate here at No Crying in Baseball. So welcome back. Jake Cronenworth
1: is my once and future forever boyfriend for the Padres. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's awesome that you did sort of a predictor of the heart and hustle. Like instead of us going by, you know, this is a, is a criteria, they clearly went by, okay, it's an NCIB boyfriend. He's good for the heart and hustle.
0: For sure. For sure. And so um, up until this point, my once and future boyfriend, the current once and future boyfriend was Christian Yelich, which I'm hoping he didn't have a good season last year. So I'm hoping that maybe me releasing him to play the field again (laughs) will have him get his groove back, for instance. So it's not really like I don't want him anymore. I do. I love him. But it's time for a change. Got to shake things up. And Jake certainly proved himself this past season.
1: You You know what Christian Yelich needs is his TikTok handle back. Have you seen that? No. Somebody grabbed at Christian Jelic on TikTok before he did, and he's been trying to get it back, and it's led to some very funny TikToks. So just look at Christian Jelic's TikTok. Don't make me look at TikTok. trying to get that back.
0: God, don't make me look at TikTok. Yeah, but okay. (laughs) All right. So where do we go next week? Oh, my gosh. Next week. I'm sorry. I've already moved on. I've already moved on because, Uh, you know, um, Seattle and Philadelphia
1: next week, which seems weird to have those be above... These teams, but it's, it's a very weird year. It's a very it's a weird, weird, weird year. year. And uh all right. That's gonna be more a lot more thought. These have been some tough picks, especially it's just because we have picked a lot, especially on these teams, a lot of the key players in past years. So now we just gotta dig a little bit, but you never know. You never know what's gonna come up. It's true. So I'm going to go international back to the the Leo Roberto Clemente in Puerto Rico that the Criollos, as I have stated above, have won it all. What I didn't realize was that their manager, Ramon Vasquez, is also the first base coach for the Red Sox. So yay for a Red Sox name there. I'd been talking about Alex Cora's connection because Alex Cora is from Caguas, from the town of the Criollos, and he put a proud post up there both for his Criollos, but also for um, Ramon Vasquez. Now, I think I didn't recognize him as a first base coach because he hasn't been a first base coach for that long with the Red Sox. He actually moved to first base when Tom Goodwin wouldn't get fucking vaccinated. So he couldn't be on the field for the playoffs. To the Red Sox credit, I don't know. I didn't look into this too much. He was let go after that in October. So Ramon Vasquez is the actual continual first base coach. Um, Another little thing about Cora's connection to Criollos, just a, a reminder, when he first got the job for the Red Sox, part of the deal, along with his salary which was not that impressive at the time, was that the Red Sox had to make a sizable donation to Caguas as part of the contract. And they did. Oh, they, nice. they Yeah, they flew a bunch of stuff in there at that time. So uh, Vasquez is the third manager in the Liga Roberto Clemente with four titles. So he won these back-to-back titles with the Criollos. He also won two titles previously when he was managing a different team, the Cangrejeros de Santurce. The other two managers who have more titles than him are George Scales, or I don't know if that's Jorge Scales. <laughs> I'm not. I didn't look into yeah. George's background. He has six titles. And then what I was super excited about, Marco Oliveras, who was the very first first interviewee on No Crying in Baseball. We talked to him at the very, very beginning because of his fame in Puerto Rico and also that he was this close to being the first Puerto Rican manager in MLB and it just didn't happen. And he has personal relationships with both Alex Cora and Davey Martinez. So if you want to go way back into the way back files of NCIB, that was a fun, fun interview. It sure was. And the, the Crios de Caguas have the most championships in the league with 20. Now I am dying to know who's gonna make it in Venezuela. It is tied up in the Liga Venezuela. The Caribes de Ansuategui, which is my new favorite team after my Cardinales got eliminated. They're playing against the Navagantes, and it's tied up two to two after four Juegos jugados. Last night. Oh, my God, there's there's a condensed version that I'm going to have to stick in the notes on YouTube, which puts last night's game in a half an hour where the Navegantes won 10 to 9 over the Caribes. The Caribes started off leading five to nothing and the lead went back and forth. It is like just a nail biter and fun because there are a lot of home runs, including two by Williams Astudio. Who now has four home runs in the four games that have been played in the finals. is leading batting average with four thirty-eight, leading RBI, which is actually CI in Spanish. That would be Carreras Impulsadas. So runs in <laughs> impulsed, batted in, runs batted in with eight. He has eight RBI. Isn't he currently a free agent who is unsigned? He is. So i That's think not going
0: to last long once that lockout is over. I
1: sure hope not. I mean, he is clearly giving it his all. The, the interesting part, though, as far as like fun fun names that you recognize, before last night's game, when I first started these notes, I was going to say that Estudio had gone down, that there was a different leader, because for a bright moment, Panda, Pablo Sandoval, was leading the batting average after three games. He was batting 429 after the first three games, and now after four, it's gone all the way down to 364. And the, the cutest article that I looked at in the LVBP online said, el panda and su habitat, which is, panda is in his habitat, which means he's he's doing well awesome. there. He's doing really awesome. well there. So power to the panda. Nice. If you want to find out more th- stuff, look at my my boyfriend from a couple weeks ago, Rafael Ortega from the Cubs. He has great Instagram stories about what's going on with the games. So again, Timey Wyman Machine, you guys know more than me if you pay attention to this because they're playing Tonight. The potential Game 7 will be tonight for you, which is on Tuesday. And I don't know. I love me a Game 7. So that would be very cool if it gets that far. For sure. What did not get to Game 7, however, was Lidam, the Dominican League, ended last night. After five games, Gigantes de Cibao are the champions, and I am not supporting them in the the Serie del Caribe. And so here's where my support's going to go. It's going to go with the Caribes de Anzuategui if they make it. If they don't make it, then I'm going to back the criollos, but I am not backing the gigantes because of Marcelo Zuna. And Marcelo Zuna, as you all should remember, should be in jail because he tried to strangle his wife and was seen by the cops and ended up with a diversion program. Go back into lots of our old episodes, but... I, I just can't, I just can't even, and he is doing really, really well. So again, this is a guy who's trying to come back in MLB. He's trying to, you know, show some stuff in the winter league and, and make everybody forget about what happened so that he can go to a team. And I sure as fuck hope that, hope that does not happen. He did really well though. He was the JMV, the JMV, the jugador mas valioso. So he most valuable player of the of the finals so fuck that there was actually an interesting spat that i was on his side about which sort of like i'm i'm on the concept of tell me sucks. more about you this know, this sort of sucks so the cool thing about the is and i think this happens with a lot of Winning teams, they have a thing. They've got their team celebration. And I think I talked about this last week. They have their selfie. And it's cute. He does it. Jose Siri does it. Anybody who hits a home run, they come around and they pretend they're taking a selfie. And everybody, the whole team gathers around like it's a big selfie picture. And I just wish somebody actually put a camera in that because the pictures would be really cute if they could actually take them. But uh, Junior Lake from the Estrellas Orientales commented that he didn't realize that they had brought the circus to the Dominican Republic. So he was saying that this is a little over the top, which is seven shades of bullshit because it's all in the DR, especially it's all about the celebration. What the fuck? They're taking a selfie. That's like a middle school thing. Like it's not, they're they're not flipping you off. They're not, they're not shaking it. They're taking a fucking self selfie. So let them take the selfie, but fuck Azuna anyway. And I had this conversation online with one of our new friends. Hi Susie, who I know is, is in agreement with us on this. Um, the Estrellas Orientales loss was a bummer. I mean, I don't agree with Junior Lake on this, but there were two things that I loved about the Estrellas. One was I can't believe I haven't mentioned that Fernando Tatis has been managing them. This is dad. Fernando Tatis Sr. has been managing the Estrellas for all this. And I didn't quite hear it enough, but when I was watching that final game, man, he came out to the mound a lot, so they kept saying, here comes (laughs) manager Fernando Tatis, and I was like, oh, yeah, there he is, because they just had to change a shit ton of pitchers. They were not doing well. The pitcher he should have put in earlier, though, was fucking Fernando Rodney, who is still raking it at, what, 42, 43? They put him in in the third inning after six runs had been let up, and he shut it down. He shut two outs. These next two players out, including Jose Siri. And um, the last thing I want to say about the Gigantes, though, is I totally forgot about my former boyfriend, Ronald Guzman, El Condor, was playing back first base for them, and he has legs that just don't quit. I mean, he can reach and his splits, you've just got to watch him. So anyway, if you want to see more of Guzman, pay attention to the Serie del Caribe. who knows what's going to happen. Um, my word of the week, even though I've dropped a couple out of the way, I w- <laughs> one thing I thought was cute especially I was noticing this a lot for the Estrellas orientales, when guys are left on base, they say quedaron o quedó en circulación. So they're left in circulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So those are guys on base. Um, nice. So as we're working up to the Serie de Caribe, another country I haven't mentioned at all that's going in is Colombia. And I didn't notice that San is still playing there. I know I've talked about him in past years. He's Venezuelan. His wife is from Colombia. So he played for Colombian team, the, the Caimanes de Barranquilla, past couple of years. And this year he went in saying, I want to go. I want the Caimanes to win. I want to go to the Serie de Caribe playing for Colombia. And that's what's happening. And, and this is another case of a guy who is not connected to any team. So he can do it because there's no team, well, I guess for anybody, no team's going to tell him anything right now anyway. But um, <laughs> but he can go and he's trying to, you know, get picked up again. And Cinde Leon is a guy for both of us. I mean, he started with the Nats, he went to the Red Sox, he went to Cleveland and then Miami. So we've got lots of connections. Nice guy. I, of course, you know, Red Sox uh, World Series members, I always have a so- soft place for. Um, Liga... De Mexico del Pacifico. I want to super apologize. I've been saying Liga Mexicana de Baseball, which is like what they play when MLB is happening, the MLB, but it's in the MLP. It's their winter league. And the Charos de Jalisco are the champions. That's all I'm going to say. Get ready. Serie de Caribe is coming. Figure out how you're going to watch. I got to figure it out. It's January 28th to February 3rd. The ads on Lidam have me totally psyched for it because they say el baseball es una fiesta y Esta año, la fiesta regresa a casa. So they're saying baseball is a party. And I love that attitude. That's what I love about Dominican ball. That's what, what I love about Venezuelan ball. And that's what I love about the Serie de Caribe is that it's a party. They're there to have fun. And this year it's back at home. And they're even spiffing up the plaza around the Juan Marichal statue. And I put a link in so that you can see this statue it is so cool because, like the way he pitched, he had one of his legs he just lifted really high. It was—I always thought he looked like he was going to fall over—and the statues just like that. It's beautiful. <sighs> so that's it. That's the the Liga Invernal rundown. I'm going to open my beer while you talk about <laughs> different countries.
0: Sure enough, ain't no party like an international baseball yeah. party. Woo. All right. Hey, so there it was never going to be a Tampreal. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even though Major League Baseball said to the Tampa Bay Rays, sure, spend two and a half years exploring a possibility of this sister city relationship with Montreal, where you would split your season half and half between Florida and Canada. And it's going to be complicated, but go ahead spin your wheels, spend time on it. So they did. It's two and a half years on this plan. And this week, Major League Baseball rejected the proposal. They said, "Mm, no, we're not going to do it. So the Rays are in kind of, I mean, I don't think it was a great idea to begin with. I, you know, it's, there's so much or so many complications, but, but they've got a lot of things they got to work out. One is their lease. And um, their current ballpark expires in a couple of years. So they need a plan by the end of next year of what they're going to do. They've had trouble, you know, getting the city to help them, you know, like find a place for a new ballpark. Um, this plan didn't work. So they're scrambling at this point. And here's the kicker that they have no support. They have no fan support. This again, the Rays have the best record in the American League. This is multiple years in a row. And they are 28th out of 30 teams in average attendance, less than 10,000 people per game go to
1: that ballpark. well the ballpark sucks is the problem. I think this is like a chicken egg thing because their current ballpark yeah. sucks. The site sucks. It's hard to get to. It's not fun to yep. be in. So
0: and they can't find another yeah. place. They're like they're having a hard time trying to find another place to put it that people will go to. Um but they're saying yeah, like fans were not Excited about this idea of them spending half time in Montreal, but they're still not going to the ballpark. So what's going to happen? Montreal clearly wants baseball back. A lot of cities want another, want a team. They want the league to expand a bunch of places like um, Charlotte and a bunch of cities want that, including Montreal. But the league says they can't expand until the Rays and the Oakland A's deal with their stadium situations. Where are they going to end up? Because they can't make decisions about, are we going to add anybody until we know where our current teams are going to be? So meanwhile, the Oakland situation where, you know, the team itself is weighing both. We want this new ballpark to be built on the port or we're going to Vegas. You know, here are two options and that's, yeah, it's, it's very complicated. The current status of that is the Oakland planning commission just approved the gigantic environmental impact report to be moved to city council to be voted on. So, There's progress in the keep it in Oakland, you know, get out of the Coliseum, build it here. But it's it's minuscule. Uh, It's incremental progress. And they, too, need to get something nailed down because, you know, are they going to keep playing at the Coliseum, which is falling apart? Or are they going to skip town and piss everybody off or what?
1: They both need billionaires to just sort of take up this project and say, I'm going to support this team and buy a beautiful stadium. That's that's my plan. Okay,
0: look at potty <laughs> mouth going for capitalism. Right, there Woo! We,
1: go. we need we need good-hearted billionaires. I don't to, to jump I, in I don't on ever this. see you go like with the rich know. guys. As a
0: like, yeah, this, <laughs> the rich guys will nice save us. Rich guys, Woo!
1: yeah. I don't know. All yeah. right, uh-huh. yeah. All right, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum with with baseball that does not generate much money, and that's girls' baseball. But we are encouraging girls' baseball. MLB is encouraging girls' baseball. And if you know a girl between the ages of 11 and 13 who is interested in playing baseball, check our show notes and give her the application to apply for the 2022 Trailblazer series, which always happens around Jackie Robinson's birthday because Trailblazer. It's going to be happening April 13th to 17th in the Jackie Robinson Training Complex in Vera, Florida. And uh, I just love to see more and more girls baseball being um, being sponsored and being encouraged. So let's do that.
0: Which reminds me of a thing I completely forgot about, which is I saw that Justin Siegel posted about Miami University, which is my alma mater, is one of the few colleges, universities that actually already has... Um, girls club yay. baseball. Very cool. Yeah, I thought, wow. Well, I you know, I had no idea, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So yay, yay, Miami who are no longer the the racist name. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's right.
1: They had the Red Hawks. All right. Hey, so what are you up to this week? This week, work. Yeah, work and and yeah. trying to pay attention to this international baseball. I really want to see what happens in Venezuela.
0: Um I have been um, catching up on Seasons that I've missed of Letterkenny, which uh, has me cross-training with hockey in a sort of a vulgar, hilarious Mm -hmm. way that just, you know, something about 20-minute episodes of super fast-moving, punny-punny dialogue and... Hockey and just it's just makes me so freaking happy. Potty Mouth keeps texting me about you should watch this game. You should watch this game. I'm like yeah, but I'm watching Better yeah, kitty I get it. But I'll I'll be done. There's only a few more episodes and then I'm I'm caught up until they they move ahead again. But if you've never seen this and you do care about your Canadian friends to the <laughs> north or about hockey or about beer or about funny, hilarious, fast-moving dialogue, I I vote for that kind of cross-training. I'm sold. I think you would like this for sure. Hey, so if you um, are enjoying "No Crying in Baseball," there might be some friends or family that you think should listen to us too. Please feel free to let them know about us. If like your friends or family would like to hear us talk about baseball, we would love it if you found us on social media.
1: Yes, hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, and actually hang out with us on Twitter and pay attention the the baseball pod. I think that's what they're called. Should I should have written this down yet again? That we're going to be in a bracket soon, and I want y'all to support us because it would really be shitty to go out in the first round in a bracket. We're going to be in a bracket of uh, fantasy baseball podcasts, and you know we do a little bit of fantasy league stuff, so I guess we qualify enough. So there's going to be more. Yeah, baseball pods. So follow baseball pods. Vote for us in the bracket of. uh, Fantasy Baseball podcast And so yeah, that's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are No Crying in B-ball. Yep.
0: And please find us that way if you're interested in participating in our fantasy league. I'm going to be sending um notes out to our past participants to see if you want to re-up for this year. So we'll know how many openings we will have for the new season. So get a hold of us in any of those ways if you think you want to play with us. Please get boosted. Have you not gotten your booster yet? It will really help no matter what happens in the future. Please fight the man. It's the right thing to do no matter what Potty Mouth says about rich guys. (laughs) And until (laughs) next week, say goodnight Potty
1: Mouth. Goodnight Potty Mouth. You'd think I would fucking get a clue by now. I think Um, you would
0: fucking get a clue by now.